0: You're listening to Zen Sandwich, a podcast that inspires thoughtful people like you to live in the moment, be mindful in a realistic, achievable way. My name is Mark Reed. I've been a college professor and a lawyer. Now I make handmade paper in Japan. Twice a week, I bring my research and thoughts or sit down with coaches, authors, and entrepreneurs to talk about their process. What lessons do they learn along the way and how you can make an impact in your world? Hey, here we are. You're listening to another Zen Sandwich Podcast interview. Now, in the past, I have said, hey, folks, I got a a rock star interview for you today. Well, today, I really, literally, actually do have a rock star for you. This is big time. My guest today is Marty Ray of the Marty Ray Project. You can find out everything he's got going on at martyrayproject.com. Look up his YouTube channel. Go search the Marty Ray Project which has, by my last check, over 583,000 subscribers. He's a uh, singer, songwriter. He does amazing covers. He does his own original material, too. Got a few albums out. His latest is called Mixed Emotions. He's uh, he's working on a new one right now. Some of the infamous covers he's done he, include Ice Ice Baby, Bob Marley, Modest Yahoo, I've seen in concert. He's awesome. Uh, he's got a parody one of all about that, uh, base, but it's all about that beard and other beard related videos on YouTube. Since this is mostly an audio only podcast, let me just describe for the folks listening. If you haven't looked him up yet, uh, Marty Ray has a big time beard to go along with his big time personality. He, he looks like if ZZ top and Gandalf from Lord of the Rings had a baby. And, uh, if you think I'm being rude, I've listened to his podcast and he he's got a thick skin. He can take it. Trust me. Uh, so that's right he's a podcaster too uh, on all the platforms the show is appropriately called the marty ray project chats with co-host chris wallen it's hilarious stuff i just listened to the latest one with john snyder that's uh beau duke from dukes of hazard you can find marty ray's podcast as well on the marty ray on martyrayproject.com check out his facebook page that also has a half a million followers lots of great music videos there both original and covers Welcome to the show, Marty Ray of the Marty Ray Project. Dude, it's an honor.
1: Thank you so much. What a great introduction. I need to bring you to shows and let you say all that before <laughs> so they know who they're in the presence of. You know what I mean?
0: <laughs> well, you man, I honestly, that's the
1: easy tops child, right? <laughs> so put some respect on it. You know what I mean?
0: Dude, honestly, that's the short, short version. Like I had to cut, I had to edit this thing down. You don't, you, you're, you're too successful. You got too much going on, man. man
1: I'm just <laughs> blessed by God to be able to do what I do, man, and, and be able to have people like you that would have me on their show. It's a blessing.
0: Well, that's awesome. Well, I'm glad you're here. And, uh, you know, I wanted to talk to you not only because of your celebrity status, but uh, it's just nice to speak with a Southerner again. I'm from Alabama, man. I'm over here in Japan, which is great. I love it. But I need to hear a familiar twang, man. You know what I'm saying?
1: Well, you own it now <laughs> you're in it now, ain't you?
0: <laughs> on your podcast you start out asking your guests what you call a fast five five quick questions five quick answers even if it right. doesn't always wind up being quick right
1: usually they're not
0: well uh you're under the spotlight now here's the fast five zen sandwich style you ready
1: we should play some little <laughs> <laughs> I'll, try, I'll, I'll
0: try to edit that in <laughs> Uh, all right, here we go. Number one, uh, what smell reminds you the most of childhood?
1: I would say, you know, the airhead candies. If yeah. Ever had Airheads? Oh yeah. That would probably do it in a heartbeat and always does because when I was a boy, we would always want money. My, my school had what was called a pirate stand and uh, cause we were the Gosnell pirates. So you could go, if you had enough money, you could go to the pirate stand. So we were always trying to get money to go to the pirate stand and get some candy and was always airheads airheads was the commodity <laughs> for the day. You could, you could get anything. If you, if you had enough airheads in my school, you could get anything you wanted. You could even bribe the teachers to get things done. You know what I mean? Yeah. Was, that's
0: like, yeah, that's like jailhouse currency right there. You know, like a honey bun or airhead, something
1: <laughs> act like cigarettes in jail. We had airhead,
0: <laughs> right? All right, number two, what's the longest line you ever stood in, and what were you waiting for?
1: The longest line I ever stood in was a buddy of mine. We were at uh, SEMA. You know what SEMA is? No. It's the biggest car show situation in Vegas. I believe it's in Vegas. I can't remember exactly where, but I think it was in Vegas. Nonetheless, we went one year. We got free tickets, and we went, and he wanted to meet – Jay Leno. And so we waited in this line out because he wanted to do it. So I said, I'll wait with you. And we waited in this line for, I know, a good two hours. Matter of fact, in the middle of us waiting, Jay Leno had to take a lunch break (laughs) waiting. And I said, bro, this is, this is ridiculous. I don't know how much longer I can sit here. There was people literally somebody would send somebody to go get lunch and they would come back and they were saving their place in line so that was the longest line and i would never have done that had it not been for my buddy wanting to meet him
0: yeah i don't think i could wait for jay leno that long (laughs) jay's all right i don't i'm not too critical of him or anything but i don't think i'd wait for him that long (laughs)
1: he's a super cool fellow. i will say i was glad in the end that i waited for him i met uh actually while i was waiting the person that runs his garage actually turned out they were a fan of mine. So when I came around, he goes, "Hey, Marty Rayo, hey, how you doing?" He goes, awesome. "I'm a big fan." So it was pretty cool seeing that there was somebody on his side of the 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 realm of life that knew about me. So that was pretty fun. That is but cool. I never would have known that had I not waited for two two hours or whatever.
0: All right, uh, number three. Did you try anything for the first time in 2020? I have an extra note here. Nothing sexual. It's not that kind of show.
1: <laughs> you should please leave that in. Uh, That'd be great for people to hear. Um, I, I wouldn't have said that anyway, because that definitely didn't. <laughs> <happen>. <laughs> um, let's see. Tried anything for the first time in 2020. What did I try? I be, well, you know, I've tried to, I'm always trying new restaurants. So that's not just a 2020 thing. So food would be out of the question. I could say a million things that I've tried new. I can't think of any particular thing that I tried differently other than other than th- putting a mask on my face.
0: Well, like yeah, it. that everybody tried. Yeah. What about podcasting? Did Did you start in 2020?
1: I think that well, I've been podcasting actually. If you listen to the earlier episodes, you'll see the intro will tell you that I was podcasting back in like 2007. So then fast forward I, th- I believe it was the end of last year is when I started this new podcast the Marty Ray Project chats and uh I believe it was the end of last year I believe I could be wrong it could have been 2020 hmm. I don't know hmm. I guess it had to be 2020 cuz I'm only 30 episodes in Yeah it was 2020 so we'll say we'll say that was a new thing for for uh you know yeah, current, yeah. Current Marty Ray <laughs> you know
0: me too uh all right well uh one thing we talk about on the show sometimes we're at question four and uh one thing we talk about sometimes is uh meditation i don't guess you're much of a of a meditator and that's not a big deal but i shouldn't stereotype for all i know you got incense burning you were in the lotus position before this uh interview i don't know oh but but
1: i I do meditate but not the way you mean i meditate on the word of god i pray I, I pray, uh, every day I pray a lot. That's one of the big, factors.
0: So. absolutely that counts. And that might be the answer to the, the official question. I was going to say, uh, what do you do to calm your mind? So probably that.
1: That's it, man. That's the only thing that, that works for me. There you go. I'm, I'm a nervous wreck. <laughs> uh,
0: all right. Number five, what is something you think every person should experience in his or her lifetime?
1: Something every person should experience in his or her lifetime. That's a good question. I'm gonna I'm gonna actually use that one.
0: Sure. Credit um, me for you know.
1: I'm gonna credit you. You're, I'm gonna credit your podcast for that. Um, something that every person should experience in their lifetime. If you haven't, now this I only say this because I've I've experienced this with my with my my buddy. His name's Brad Beal. So if anybody knows, he's a, he's actually a TikToker. Anybody knows, you know, tell him you heard this here. Anyway, when he was a boy, he's like my brother. I kind of had a hand in raising him, you know, Mm -hmm. and when he was a boy, his parents, they never, they never let him eat gas station food. And now you're from Alabama. So I know you've had some gas station
0: (laughs) most of the time.
1: (laughs) I mean, as nasty as some people think it is, it's really wonderful. It tastes wonderful. It's horrible for you, but tater logs and pizza sticks, Chicken on a stick. That stuff tastes great, especially fresh. So he had never tried it. I took him to the gas station. I said, you got to try some gas station food. He said, I wouldn't dare. I said, you're going to try gas station food. And he did. And he loved it. He thought it was the greatest thing. That's awesome. Never tasted it. So I think everybody should try a little bit every now and then. at least one thing, at least a tater log. There
0: you go. It, uh, man, you're, you're a mentor to us all, man. <laughs> go get you some gas station food.
1: Ain't I, ain't I something? And the, that was very Zen-like.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say you—you passed, man. You, uh, you know, you got you got an A minus on your on your fast five.
1: Notice, <laughs> notice how many of my questions re- revolved around food. Well. That's that's just hey, that, what my mind.
0: I think that's a Southern thing, man. I like I said, I started out saying, "Man, I'm talking to you, and I miss biscuits and gravy," you know. <laughs> right. All right all right well we'll move on uh you are a man of many talents you're you're hilarious on the podcast you're man when i started youtube and you uh god there's this uh it's not a crank call really because it's somebody who called you by accident and you and they were looking for the courthouse
1: yeah that was good man you know what's funny about that is on facebook that got like 30 something million views that that wow. that prank call reverse prank calls what i call it right but yeah, this boy. It was uh, a snowy day, icy day, and this <laughs> happened all the time, and and it still does occasionally. And uh, the guy who filmed that was actually Brad, uh, mm-hmm. who I was just talking about. He's he was with me a lot, and and they would call, and they would say, "Hey, is this the courthouse or whatever?" And I would just go go along with it all the right. time. I, <laughs> and at the end of the at the end of the conversation, I say, "You got the wrong number," but on that particular one, he. Brad decided to record it, and that's awesome. There was a lot of those actually that that wasn't the only one that happened a lot, and but people got a glimpse into what it's like riding around with me every now and then
0: so um it's hilarious man if if uh if you're listening to this, go check that out uh but like I said, you're a man of many talents. you write your own songs um let's go to the core what your voice when when did you first realize? did you could sing or did did you just come right out of the wrapping paper crooning
1: i like that, right out of the wrapping paper uh that i always say when i cried as a baby my mom always said when i cried as a baby it sounded like a song i just took her word for it now that ain't true and <laughs> that's always, always been a joke of mine but some people i think think that's really true it's not really true nobody cries and it sounds like a song but uh i ain't gonna say nobody
0: well, you had guess, to go you had to go through puberty. So like your voice didn't sound the same.
1: <laughs> right. Uh, but I, I remember I can't remember a time I couldn't sing that I thought I couldn't sing. And I never have taken lessons to be able to sing. So I will tell you that growing up, my family, and I tell I tell this story a lot. My family that I looked up to in music, because I had family that sang and and played music, and I looked up to them. And they kind of told me I couldn't sing. You know, they were like, "Hey, <laughs> really you're good, and you would need to start playing an instrument if, if you uh, want to get into music." And I was like, "Man, I don't know. I just feel like I can sing." So then, for years and years, I thought that I was just one of these guys who thought they sounded good to themselves, but they really didn't to other people. Until 2005. So 2005, I believe it was that I got an Apple MacBook. And when I got that, I seen on the bottom. I just discovered there was this little app called GarageBand. Oh yeah, GarageBand was free, and you could record yourself. And before that day, I didn't know or or even dream that there was a way I could record myself singing or playing or doing anything. So when I found that out, I got my uncle and my cousin together, and I wanted to do something so I could practice on the garage band so i said let's do uh hallelujah the song hallelujah because both of them sang very- and we got together we were doing it we we're working on it we never finished it my uncle had to leave he left and i was like man i don't have anything finished so i told my cousin now i need to preface this by saying my whole life i had been mimicking other artists so mm. when i was growing up like i grew up listening to the boys to men and and, uh, Garth Brooks and Charlie Daniels and BB King and Ray Charles, all these different people, plethora of different artists. I grew up, but mainly my main thing was R and B and soul music. That's what I loved. And I still love today. What I was saying, I brought that up to say that my whole life I was mimicking other artists. So I knew that there was no, there was no market out there for somebody that sounded like somebody that already existed. So, it wasn't until even during Hallelujah, I was still sounding like somebody else, like Jeff Buckley, because yep. he's—I'd heard say sing it. And but when my uncle left, I told my cousin, I said, "Let's pick a song out of the hymn, the hymn book that I've never heard anybody do, mm-hmm. I've never heard anybody sing." And you just play it, and I'll sing the match. And that's what happened. That was the first time. So he starts playing, and I'm in there, and I just go, "What a beautiful oh." I've been thinking concerning a gray speckled bird. And at that moment I was like, wow, man, I, I don't know who this, this is me right here. Yeah. It, it's just me. So it was like, God said, here's your voice. Now go do something with it. And that's okay. and I made a video uh, with that song and that video. I can't remember the exact number, but it did pretty well online on Facebook and I had no fans at all, but it did well. And for the local, for the city that I was in, I was in Bluff, Arkansas, working for my dad. And there was people that started calling, and uh, and saying, "Hey, man, that that moved me. I love that when you're coming out with an album or whatnot." So that's when that was the moment that I found my voice, my my own voice. But I never have still to this day. I've never taken a da- uh, a dance lesson. Okay, <laughs> I ain't never taken a dance lesson. I just naturally am good at dancing. Yeah. No, I just, I've never taken a singing lesson in my life. So I tell people all the time, they say, teach me how to sing. I say, I don't even know if I'm doing it right.
0: So uh, I can- You're doing it right, man. You're definitely yeah. doing it right. Is that when you knew that you, you were going to make a career, you're going to make a life out of it?
1: I didn't know. I didn't know that until years later. It was years before uh, I thought that there was a, a chance that I could do something else.
0: Hmm. Well do you remember that moment? The moment when you when you thought, you know what? I can actually make this dream happen.
1: Well, I remember I remember telling myself, because I have two daughters, I remember telling myself, I'm never gonna never gonna teach my children to not dream. I'm hmm. gonna always teach them to dream beyond with, with they have a dream this big, then dream beyond that dream even. Yep. Because God put that in you for a reason. That's what I always tell my my children. God put that dream in you, and there's a purpose for you. If you, it's like it's like there's a scripture in the Bible that says to not bury your talents. Hmm. So I'm not going to bury mine anymore, and I made my made, made up my mind later in life that I'm not going to bury mine, and I tell teach them not to bury theirs to go after those things first. It doesn't mean that you can't work a job too, but if the opportunity, if you don't think that the opportunity. Is going to come for you to be able to move on into doing something you love, and not ever ever have to technically work. Because there was a a wise man that lived around me. I know this is a common saying, but I heard it from him. Uh, his name was uh, Chuck Wilder, and he always said, "If you if you're doing what you love, you're never working a day in your life." Yeah. And so I always remembered that, and so for years, I remember the moment that I, I started making funny videos. that were, uh, kind of like parodies, but, uh, dressed my cousin up in a, in a fat suit. And he was, uh, he was like eating. We had little, it was such a cheesy little stupid video, but, uh, we had little, I was on top of the roof and I had peeps, you know, those peep marshmallows.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah, of course. I
1: had had one on a string and I was, uh, floating it down in front of his face and he was out there moving his hair and and he's "The the bird. And it's just, it's just this weird, video and i was experimenting with with actually making music videos and i, I said well, i'm going to post this and see what people say and it, it got like uh like thirty thousand views i believe it was and i thought man i'm famous like <laughs> i'm some we're famous fellas we made it and little that i know that's not all it takes but so then that video kind of put it in my head that it was possible it was possible so the possibilities of all the, all the training from my, my past kind of started dying out. And I was now entertaining the thought of the possibility of being able to do it. But I still didn't. It didn't just take off from there. There was still a gap between there and when I started uh, making videos again. I, I decided to take the last $3,000 that I had in the bank. And I, I said, I'm going to go and make an album of original music. And I did that. I borrowed my uncle's van and we, I slept in the back of that van in Nashville. And we went to the studio, did four songs, released the album. It didn't do that. Well, wasn't gaining a lot of traction. So I kind of was like, you know, the only other thing I can do here is just try to go around to different artists that are already established that I get to meet if I can meet them and give this to them in hopes that they will hear it and go, okay this guy's got something I want to, I want and that, and that happened a lot that a couple of times. And I I tell that story as well, but it happened with BB King. It happened with Charlie Daniels. These people, before I was ever, before I ever had a fan at all, these guys lifted me up and encouraged me to keep going. And it was a very, very God divine type moment. I mean, if I told you the story, you don't know how much time you have here, but if I told you the story, you would, you wouldn't believe it was true firstly, but secondly, secondly, you would, the only explanation is that there was some divine intervention here.
0: Yeah. Well, you got as much time as you want, man. We're we on your clock. Huh?
1: <laughs> well, I don't know. Some, I don't know what your time frame is on your podcast, what you're trying to keep it at, but w-
0: whatever I want it to be
1: nice. I like that. <laughs> so here's the story. This will, this will, this will probably blow your mind. I was on the front row of the BB King concert. And like I said, I had no fans. All I had was an album. That that one album that I had had made. And I was on the front row because I knew I knew the guy who booked the entertainment there. So he get, got me front row seats. And he liked my music. So he was trying to help me get my music in the hands of these people. So I was on the front row and I was just jamming, you know, just vibing to the to the BB King, you know, <laughs> feeling it and BB. Because he had BB was so he was such a king. It was a perfect name for BB King was a king. Because at the beginning of the show, he loved his fans so much. He told him he said, "Turn the house lights on," and he wanted he played the whole show as if it was in in my room here in the, in a living room. He didn't have the spotlights weren't on him. It was everybody was lit up because he wanted to see everybody so he could clearly see this bearded, bald headed guy sitting there jamming. You know to his song and in the middle of one of his songs and i know in the middle of uh at the beginning actually i say the middle at the beginning of Thriller's gone he's playing and then I'm, I'm doing this he goes hold on everybody hold on as long as that man right there is having a good time and he points right at me and i'm looking at him and i'm going what and wow. everybody's like who is this guy like what <laughs> With a label or what, and then BB's like, he's, as long as he's having a good time, so am I. <inaudible> really, it's gone away. <laughs> like, you know, you, your heart's just racing. Yeah,
0: that's incredible.
1: Why is this happening? You that, that's the question you're asking. On top of going, How amazing is this? That the first of all, how amazing is this story? I can't wait to tell it. Second of all, why is this happening to me? Yeah, uh, so then. At the end of the concert, BB, B.B. likes to have all of his fans because we were in like a theater setting uh, at the Gold Strike Casino. And at the end, he, li- he likes to have all of his fans that couldn't – well, not he didn't say that, but I, I was looking at it as the people that couldn't be front row. He asked them to come to the stage. Like he said, everybody come around the stage. And so I let people who, who didn't get to experience front row B.B. King get in front of me. So a bunch of people in front of me and it was just packed. And uh BB does the last song, and he's at this point of his life, he's sitting in a wheelchair. Or he's he's in a wheelchair, he's not in a wheelchair on the middle of the stage, right? But he can't walk that well. And uh he's sitting in the middle of the stage and and all these fans are there and he takes these guitar picks out of his jacket and he throws these guitar picks and they don't make it very far. So these fans are trying to get up there and grab these guitar picks. And the security's yeah, yeah. throwing him off the stage. Just just throwing them off. BB's getting mad. Like he's he's saying, hey, that stop that. I'm giving him those. So he gets he gets so mad that he pulls his gold bracelets off, <laughs> both arms, and his and his necklace off. And he throws half of them over here to these fans and half of them over here to these fans because he wow. knew he could take that heavy weighted object over there. And at that point, I'm thinking, I should have got up in the front of that <laughs> stage. <laughs> like, yeah. I could have had B.B. Uh, King, probably inscribed B.B. King jewelry. Right. <laughs> like, uh, to this day, you would see it on my wrist. I'd be <laughs> telling the story, and I'd go, huh? You said I'm saying? <laughs> but I don't have that because I was uh, trying to not be selfish. Stupid me. Uh, anyway, so, no, I'm, I'm not mad. Did, I was
0: going to say, you did the right thing,
1: man. You did the yeah, right I'm not thing. About it. I'm happy that those people, because the story that I have goes well beyond that yeah. jewelry finish telling the story just if it stopped just right there at him pointing at me that's amazing
0: hey there we are that is the end of part one of my interview with marty ray download part two to get the rest of the story with bb king as well as his five minute zen advice for everyone on this episode of zen Sandwich.